Football is officially back, and we've got you covered right here on the Ringer NFL feed. I'm Shiel Kapadia, and every Tuesday and Friday, Ben Solak and I will be bringing you Extra Point Taken. Nora Princiati here to tell you that Steven Ruiz and I will be coming to you every Monday and Thursday. Our Monday show will recap everything from Sunday's games. Thursday's show will encompass any news during the week with an eye towards the next slate of games. Subscribe to the Ringer NFL show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow the Ringer NFL on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter at Ringer NFL. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S, IAN.com at Lassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Welcome, one and all. Another great sports card podcast for you today. September 14th, Thursday morning, getting ready to come into the office. Michael Giuseffi has officially pronounced dadhood because he is now calling out of work because of his kid. That's one of the official dad moves, and he's now done it. So congratulations to him. As we all know, he recently had a child. He is no longer with child. He has child, and now he is pulling dad duty, staying up all night, all that good stuff. So I'm going to be... Running the show today, another fantastic solo. Um, we do have a guest joining us. We've got a number of things to talk about. I'm going to do a quick rundown, and then I, I hate to say it, I don't have a ton of nonsense. Like, there will be non-sports cards, but at this point, I don't even consider that nonsense. That That's just real-life collectible hobbyhood. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a real regulated show. Speaking of regulation, we're going to get into that a little bit more. But the rundown for today, we're going to talk a little bit more about scandals and overreactions, how they mix together, and maybe one building as we speak with backyard breaks. I, I'm going to do a little bit of a segment as well, just talking about the hobby at this moment, my personal feelings. Take that as you will. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of you who disagree. There's going to be probably a number of you who may find some things that you hadn't thought about before, but I, I, it's going to be quick, but I did want to just bring out a few points and see who else is thinking similarly, or maybe just some opposing ideas, maybe help me to think things a little clearer about the hobby. Uh, then that is about the time when our guest, Jason Flynn from Soccer Cards United will be joining. He's going to do a little bit of a review for our soccer fans, our F1 fans, and even just like an overview of the European market, 
uh, card market in general. So he'll do that. We'll go over a few uh, sales that are going to be happening on PWCC auction uh, and what we're bidding on this week. I have a number of things because I am FOMOing pretty hard about all the things I lost last week, uh, especially when I could have set my max bid just slightly higher and actually won them. So that's upsetting, but it's okay. And then we'll hit your mail back. So that's your rundown. Very traditional. You notice very little nonsense in there. Again, I apologize. Maybe I feel like I need some. Non- there you go. That felt that that did feel good. I'll admit that. All right. Let's hit him with the big picture. Thank you so much, Jesse. I appreciate you doing that. It's, you know, when you're talking to yourself in a podcast, it's never easy. But uh, in this situation, there's a lot of speculation and it's not really, you know, Mike's uh, attitude about this would be actually helpful because even instinctively, we kind of give each other devil's advocate of every situation. So even if I'm pro something, he'll sometimes go negative. And if I'm negative, he'll go pro. So in this case, I'm going to try and hit both points of view, but there was something that was sent over this morning. It was a Reddit article about backyard breaks. Um, it was on the whatnot Reddit stream and backyard breaks is as many have said before, they are scamming. Well, a lot of times we don't read any of that. We don't read into it because sometimes it's just a personal take. Sometimes it's not scamming. It means different things to different people. Sometimes it's not illegal. Maybe there was a lack of knowledge or something like that involved. But in this situation, this is coming from someone. And I say someone because we don't know who, because they listed themselves as anonymous. It's listed uh, as someone who used to be employed by what, uh, by backyard breaks and listing all the details of how they feel that they have either scammed or taken advantage of their audience. I'm not going to go into all the details of what it was, and I'm not going to go into it for multiple reasons, because it's now been removed. The uh, whatnot mod, the, the, sub, the subreddit mod uh, has removed that post just because there was no additional proof involved. And I will say that's one of my biggest issues, right, is that we just got burned. The hobby just got burned pretty badly by an anonymous account. When people start getting the freedom to post whatever they want and there's no pushback, there's no one saying, hey, you know, let's see a little proof. How do we know who you are that you're not benefiting by saying these things? This is where we start to run into issues. However, even though we just got burned so badly by card porn, Juan Garcia doing these things. It's like, sometimes we just don't learn. And there's already, there were already, I think it was like deleted maybe an hour after it was posted. Fortunately, I did get to see a little bit of it. Um, but there are already people who are saying, yeah, take them down. How dare they do this? You know, just another scammer scamming the, the hobby. Uh, they've been doing this forever. I can't believe finally someone said something. But we have no idea who actually is this person. They're just listing a number of things like shill bidding, uh, hyping things to get prices higher, a number of things that any, almost every breaker could be accused of, whether or not they're true or not. You know, it, it would have to be proved in some way other than just hearsay. But that's all this is. And yet they're already people taking that side of the anonymous person. This is where a, a scandal becomes an overreaction in my viewpoint, because I'm not saying that Backyard Breaks has not done anything wrong. I hope as one of the biggest breakers in the hobby, if not the biggest, 
I really, really hope they're not actively doing that. That would, it, it's just another uh, negative, another misleading thing the, the hobby does not need right now. And so to see a big account like that, to find out they were doing something to, to such a great extent would be pretty devastating. And I would think there's enough eyes on them, especially right now, that there would be a very small chance that that would happen. There would be enough people saying, hey, listen, we're benefiting from you being on our platform, whatnot, or Fanatics Live, who they have, you'll notice Fanatics Live has not brought breaking uh, Backyard over to them as of yet. I don't know if that's on Backyard side or Fanatics side, but either way, it is interesting to see that they're not over there, even though they were on some of the marketing materials. But to know that we are in a, a situation that they are so big and so heavily viewed that they would be, I guess, accused of such things is not surprising. And that's why I take it with a grain of salt, especially when it comes from a anonymous account. Now then, the the backyard guys have been in contact with, I think Mike has spoken to uh, one of the, the brothers a number of times over text messages. I messaged them earlier today. I, uh, I messaged uh, the man, I can't even remember. I think it's Nate, one of the main brothers to come on and join the podcast just to talk about it, to see like, you know, this, dismiss these things out outright. But I do, oh, Grant, excuse me. Grant was the one we, we messaged. I can't fault them for not joining or not saying anything. And I hope that the rest of the hobby kind of views this the same way as this has to be viewed with such a large grain of salt that you, it, it may not even be a story. The, I think the bigger story, the reason why I'm even mentioning all of this is because of the fact that there's so many who are still willing to accept blindly these comments. Um, I know that uh, sports card radio did an episode just a couple days ago about uh, some mystery packs that they did selling for large amounts that looked a little skeezy as far as how the, the last couple boxes had the biggest prizes and the bids got super high. I, I agree. I don't like the look of it. I can't, you know, looking at the video does not prove anything, unfortunately. And that's where this, this whole issue of breaking scandal overreaction kind of gets into my personal viewpoint about the hobby right now. This is where the question of a regulation comes in. Now, again, whether you like regulation or not, I can see a, a good and a bad thing uh, for this, but it's almost like if we have no accountability, because that's what everyone says about the card market, there's no real regulation to it. If there's no accountability, then People are going to be doing things to scam us forever. I mean, and there's not going to be anyone. There won't be other people out there unless it's like big accounts, big social media, big card accounts, whatever they, they are that call them out. There's not going to be anything to stop them from doing that. Now, the reason I'm even mentioning Backyard to begin with is because we are a larger account, and I do want to at least give some notice that this was mentioned, but... At the same time, everyone has to make a, a judgment call on who you're taking this advice from. And so with the fact that the comments were deleted, the fact that it was anonymous, it does make me think like, well, if we had any regulation in this space and really it would have to come from like fanatics, that's the only one I can really think 
that would do could do the job with the amount of money they have, the amount of reach and influence they have. They can say who gets product, who doesn't, where you sell. These things, they, the fact that they bought out PWCC Marketplace, the fact that that is looking more and more like it could be the future marketplace of the hobby. It doesn't all together. I don't think that it's a bad thing necessarily because if you have something that's regulated, there can be checks and balances. There can be people responsible for others taking advantage. And that's that's what I'm getting to is that my overall feelings on the hobby right now are there's a lot of mistrust, I think due in large part to someone who is viewed upon as the good guy in the hobby actually turning out to be really bad. But it's also just the fact that we this isn't new. We've been seeing this for a long time. We've been seeing a lot of mistrust in the hobby, whether it's from breakers, whether it's from just one-on-one guys in Facebook groups trying to sell and someone not sending a card or not disclosing all the information. All of that being said, I think there's still a lot of really, really positive, good people and good things in the hobby in that all of the negativity gets blown up much larger than the, the positive stuff does, unfortunately. But that doesn't mean that we can't still really appreciate what we do. The fact that we can love watching the football game this Sunday and get the guy's card that represents that love. That's really cool. And the fact that there's value in that, that fact that I can invest in that, the fact that I can put that aside and give that to my kid as a gift or save it for retirement or whatever the case may be. These are all really cool things. And there's the guys in this hobby are, I've never been welcomed more to any group in my entire life than the people in this hobby. So I say that we we have to watch out for the hobby, that we need regulation only for the guys who scream the loudest and make the biggest deals because they are the ones, a lot of times, unfortunately, they're also the ones that are scamming and taking advantage. Not every time, of course. Fortunately, we're there's still a lot of really great content creators. There's still a lot of people who sell really well, and they do make a big scene, and they're not trying to take advantage of you. But if you are, are new to the hobby, if you've been here for a long time, whatever the case, please look at to whether whether you are part of the problem of spreading rumors uh, uh, that you have no idea about or if you know something about someone that you're not saying anything about the they're all they're all issues in the in and of themselves you know we don't want to spread rumors but if you have actual tangible facts yeah please tell us that's how the cardboard thing kept going for so long because no one actually had anything tangible to to help uh, bring the guy down if you got that yeah do it if you don't and it's just like, hey, I don't like them because they're so large or they took away my business or they charge too much or whatever, you know, it's fine to share. But don't say that you just 100 percent agree with all the statements about, you know, some anonymous account, account just made when you have no actual proof to it. Because it just lends more and more to this fury that builds up behind people who lie. And then now they've got all this backing, even though they lied about it. And they can do and say whatever they want going forward because they just got all the the backing they needed because you said you agreed, even though you really didn't know anything better than what they had just told you. So that's my rant. I'm Paul. I apologize. It's a it's a long rant. I had a lot to to say because it's been just building up over the last couple of days or actually a couple of weeks. Ever since the whole cardboard thing, I've had a real, you know, something in the back of my head. 
uh, about the the people in this hobby. It, it's not. It's overall, like I said, it's a very positive viewpoint, but it's just a real shame that there could be that subsection. So I just wanted to get it out there, especially after I saw the scandal, the the supposed scandal with uh, backyard breaks. Again, take it as you will. Hopefully, it's nothing at all. Uh, but at least we know that there was someone who claimed to be an anonymous employee, former employee of Backyard, saying they they tried to take advantage of their their buyers. So. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Spring is here and you can now get almost anything you need for your sunny days delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a well-groomed lawn delivered, but you can get a chicken parmesan delivered. A cabana? That's a no. But a banana? That's a yes. A nice tan? Sorry. Nope. But a box fan? Happily, yes. A day of sunshine? No. A box of fine wines? Yes. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol in select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Well, with that rant out of the way, that brings us to the fun of the hobby. We're going to actually talk about cards. We're going to talk about specifically cards that Mike and I typically know almost nothing about. And that are soccer cards and F1 cards with Jason Flynn from Soccer Cards United Podcast. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I just got done with like a rant about my viewpoint of anonymous people taking uh, pop shots at other accounts and and then overreactions. It was a it was a long winded thing, and I'm being even more long winded talking about it now. So I apologize. I'm glad to, that you're here to talk about something that's not related to. Uh, rumor mills mm, a lot of that going around at the moment i know what what's yeah. the viewpoint in in europe right now about the hobby i would like before we get into f1 and soccer i did kind of tease that a little bit about you maybe giving an idea of where the hobby's at from your neck of the woods yeah so um i guess uh i've been traveling around a lot and seeing all sorts of different places and also different card shows all over europe uh last weekend Enzo and I were in Copenhagen in Denmark for the Nordic card show. And the week before that, we were in Frankfurt uh, for the German card show. And between now and Christmas, we'll be at the London card show. We'll be at a card show in Milton Keynes, which is a city outside London. Um, we'll also be back twice in Germany. So the European hobby is really healthy at the moment. 
That's and, awesome. I love to yeah. hear that. It, the fact that you're able to travel all over to these places, do you see, um, have you been to them before first off? Cause I'm curious if you've noticed it, a growth in those markets. Yeah. So we, I guess this was our second year traveling to the kind of European card show circuit. 2022 was the first year that it was really in existence. And in 2023, it kind of kicked up another gear. So like when we were in Denmark, um, which would be a pretty similar market to our own domestic market in Ireland, um, you know, small, but healthy. Um, we found that the big difference between last year and this year was that obviously the guys had been entering into more breaks because the amount of modern cards that they had, like ultra modern cards they had from products that had come out in the meantime was greater. So when we went to see them last year, it was more like kind of vintage stuff or stuff that they might've picked up in Europe or some eBay purchases. But oh, now okay. there are more and more European breakers. And so, and it's easier to get your hand on sealed product too. So there's more people opening more boxes. Um, and that kind of means get, when like, you go to a card show, product. you can sell. Oh, I apologize. Um, I was going to ask you back about that sealed product thing because I remember that you, that hasn't always been the case. Even since we started doing the podcast together, there's been a number of times where you guys were struggling to find product. Do you think is that because of uh, new entrants into the the marketplace, or just because the hobby's growing so much that you know maybe importers exporters are shipping more product over there? I think it's basically just that the uh, the European hobby has made a case for itself. And the manufacturers are making sure that the product gets into the market. Whereas before they were basically happy to, you know, three years ago, four years ago, if you were over here and you wanted to get a box, you could maybe go to one of the the American e-commerce sites to ship internationally or, you know, try and find a link in a Facebook group and try and get somebody to buy it and then send it to you and all that stuff. But the growth is so big that the manufacturers aren't going to leave that money on the table by ignoring this huge market. You know, the, the European Union is about, same size market as the US, not for a hobby, but just in general, you've got 300 million people. So like, it's just a case of manufacturers saying, we're not going to let other people take this demand. We're going to get in there and take advantage of it. So nice. Okay. Very cool. Um, well, I'm really glad to hear that, honestly, because to the last couple of weeks, and maybe, maybe it's just like a, a tint that I have uh, over my eyes because of the fact that I was on vacation for a week. Mike's been out with the baby. We just haven't been in our normal flow of things. Mm. So everything seems off to me, but maybe, I don't know. I'm hoping that's all it is. It's just my whole thing. But ever since that whole stupid Juan Garcia thing, it just, I don't know. There's been like this almost little negativity in the back of my mind, which typically I don't, I view the hobby overall as a very positive place, but yeah, that whole thing has kind of thrown me for a loop, but um I, I'm, it does make me feel better to know maybe even if it were maybe just localized to the US. Yeah, I think just just on that, like we've seen even in the soccer hobby and stuff and, and the F1 hobby and, and all over, it, it is easy for us, I guess, to get into like cycles of negativity, you know, and I think people yeah. sometimes when the knives are out for one person, even if they're legitimate, you know, if they're legitimately wrong and that criticism is well deserved, I think sometimes when the community gets into that kind of aggressive posture, it's like, I'm actually going to use this. It's like kind of like a bar fight. You know, it's like, yeah. I'm fighting this guy, but nobody's really keeping track. So I've always hated this guy. I'm going to just swing a punch at him because uh, no one's going to notice in the confusion. It's like settling scores and all the chaos, you know? I kind of love that analogy. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It does feel like that. And to, as far as the cycles go, it does seem ever since I've joined the hobby, I kind of, I didn't really believe it at first, but now that I've seen it firsthand, the hobby does have cycles as far as like, 
whether people are selling more, whether people are buying yeah. more, if card shows are better or not. Yeah, it, it is hopefully no matter what, even if any of this is actually real and not just in my mind, it would just be a cycle that will soon very quickly phase out back to normal. So, um, all right. So we talked a little bit about, about markets. I'm glad to hear about the, the European market. Tell us, where do you want to start F1 or soccer? And we've got questions from mailbag for you as well. I guess let's, let's warm me up with some soccer questions. Okay. Yeah, there you go. You're, you're very well versed in that space. All right. Um, before we uh, dive in, uh, deeper to your own personal thoughts, we can hit a few of these uh, mailbag questions for you. So um, let me see. First question would be JT Hornbuckle. He says, I enjoy soccer collecting, but as a fan of Swansea City, and also you're going to have to, uh, I apologize if I butcher any of these names. Uh, uh, you know how bad I am. Um, as a fan of Swansea City and the USMNT, I don't see a lot of Champions League or even Premier League competition. Who are the guys with rookie cards in this year's release I should be paying more attention to? So, right. So that actually just comes basically straight right off the bat into something I wanted to say, which is we're in a kind of confusing period that always happens in the soccer calendar. Um, right now, we are a few weeks into the 2023-24 season, um, which will last from the end of August until, say, middle of June next year. But we're still getting releases from 22-23. So it's it's kind of confusing. So the rookies that have kind of popped off, I guess, from the 2022-23, which is last season, but the cards are coming out now. Yeah. Um, You have the likes of uh, Arda Guler. Arda Guler is a uh, young guy who signed from Fenerbahce in Turkey uh, to Real Madrid. Um, over the summer, he immediately got injured, which is disappointing for him, but he's generally considered to be the brightest uh, talent that the Turkish football has produced in a long time. And uh, he has uh, rookie cards in Merlin, Chrome, and Stadium Club Chrome. Um, only a couple of releases, which means his prices are pretty high um, from 22-23 in his Fenerbahce uh, kit. Uh, you also have the likes of Antonio Nusa. Antonio Nusa is a guy that plays for Club Bruges in Belgium, and uh, he's Norwegian, so he plays with Erling Haaland and with uh, the Arsenal captain, Martin Odegaard, uh, at club level, or at international level, sorry. Um, and he, actually in a game the other night, uh, assisted for both of those guys to score. Um, so he's a, a, a young uh, Norwegian kid playing in Belgium who has Topps Chrome, Merlin, the whole lot from, from last year's UEFA releases. So if you wanted to do some prospecting, I also like uh, Victor Boniface. Victor Boniface is a a Nigerian striker uh, who signed for Bayer Leverkusen over the summer from a Belgian team called Union Saint-Gilles. And tomorrow night, Friday night, uh, he'll be playing Bayern Munich in a big top-of-the-table clash in the Bundesliga. So, uh, yeah, and I like Victor Boniface as a kind of a prospecting idea, uh, partly because he seems like a really good player, but also because he's only in, in terms of a hobby release, he's only in Merlin Chrome so far. So he's one of these guys that doesn't have a million rookie cards, which is always great. Okay, very good. Um, next question comes from Von Bailey. He says, vintage soccer for you, Jason. Where does Stanley Matthews and Dixie Dean fall in the spectrum of great players? Seem to be dominant earlier 1900s, but are they Pele-type talent or other? 
Uh, yeah, so like Dixie Dean and, and Stanley Match, Dixie Dean holds all sorts of goal scoring records, including the single season goal scoring record. And um, they were talking last season about Erling Haaland maybe breaking Dixie Dean's record, which is like a, maybe a hundred years old. Um, uh, something ridiculous. And uh, he played for Everton, most famously. And then Stanley Matthews played for England, played for Stoke City, uh, considered one of the best uh, English players of all time. Certainly one of the best players of the first kind of, I guess, first hundred years of soccer, mm-hmm. um, or maybe first you know, 50 years. And uh, yeah, those guys are not really considered as one of the greats. And partly because they played in a, you know, one of the things that makes Pele so legendary and why it's easy to think of if you're not like super familiar with soccer it's easy to think of the sport and kind of the greats of the sport starting with Pele but the reason why that is is television and people watch the World Cup on TV all over the world uh, around the time Pele was bursting onto the scene and uh, so before that you read about stuff you heard stuff on the radio but the whole world wasn't watching on TV and then Colour TV added that as well um, so standing matches Dixie Dean are uh, legends certainly in British football um and kind of considered you know as 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 great players in the history of the game all around the world but they wouldn't quite be up there against like the pele maradona kind of status okay all right uh i'm really i can't tell you how glad i am to have you on because when i read those names i was like oh this guy's just trolling me these are made up names <laughs> dixie D- dixie dean seems made up i'm sorry yeah it, doesn't it sounds seem like real. the uh it sounds like the real name of a superhero yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. it's like clark kent or peter exactly, parker yeah. dixie dean over here undercover soccer superstar um franco caliz caliz i apologize franco uh, he says for jason i'm getting nervous about reina and mckinney and some of these other u.s players their values are plummeting and they seem to always be injured any thoughts on the national team folks yeah i mean uh i think it's it's a kind of du- double-edged sword here because with the the USMNT, the talent pool is getting bigger and the talent ceiling is getting higher all the time. So we saw at the World Cup uh, last year and we see kind of at club level all, all over Europe, these Americans are, are getting better and better. The problem is that from a collecting point of view, everyone gravitates to the guys who are kind of the first wave of that generation. You know, you look at Gio Reyna and you say, wow, he's doing things I haven't really seen American players do before. Or Weston McKenney has a kind of controlling presence in midfield that you're not used to seeing from Americans. And that's great. And those guys are great. But I guess they're only the first generation. They're the first ones through the door. So the idea is that compared to people who have come before, they look fantastic. But hopefully for you guys in 10, 15, 20 years time, they'll be considered kind of pretty ordinary because you'll have lots and lots of guys okay. who are yep. as good or better. That makes a lot of sense. I, I was just thinking like, yeah, you don't hear many players like from the very first season of any sport being, you know, the all time greats or anything like yeah. that. It takes a little time. Okay. I think it's and like just uh, just finish on that. I think like one of the reasons why their values might not be going up is that people are realizing that this is not a situation. It's it's not like some sort of lucky coincidence where all of a sudden this particular group of Americans between the ages of whatever, 24 and 28 now happen to be good. It's they're, uh, they're the front runners in a continuous uh, talent production. So nice. there's people, there's okay. lots of people coming from behind so that their prices aren't necessarily going to hold. 
Okay, perfect. That's such a clear answer. Thank you so much, Jason. Next one. Um, this one comes from Christopher Duff, longtime listener, first-time caller. He says, for Jason, what are your thoughts on players like Messi or lesser players who spend time at a club that doesn't reach the anticipated level of success? How much does it hit their value? Right. So um, I guess he's referring to Messi going to PSG and spending a year, year and a half, whatever it was, at PSG. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would have hurt if Messi had gone to PSG from Barcelona because Barcelona couldn't afford to keep him and had failed to achieve anything that PSG weren't already achieving uh, when he got there and then had kind of left acrimoniously um, and gone to the States and maybe uh, redeemed into Miami, maybe not. That would be a narrative. But the fact is that while he was at PSG, he won the World Cup. So the narrative completely changes. And, you know, so basically when it comes to guys who go to teams, doesn't quite work out, or they go to underachieving teams, there is no hard and fast rule. Um, And and I also think uh, the question, it's a good question, but I think the idea of of Messi and lesser players, it's, there's such a yawning chasm between Messi and everybody else that it's it's very hard to make a general rule. Uh, he does go on to say, and let's maybe look at it from the viewpoint of not Messi, but maybe some other lesser players. He does say, would you just target a player wearing their national kit or the kit that they are most associated with for non-rookie? Ah, I see. Um, I think targeting the player in their national kit is good if the uh, player, ha- if the national team has a wide collector base. So if it's an American, if it's an Englishman, if it's a German, um, you know, if it, Brazil and Argentina, those players are always appreciated. Um, those kind of bigger markets, those big countries, um, they'll do well. And then other than that, I know what you mean. Like, say, you know, if say you're picking a Cristiano Ronaldo card, um, you probably want him in a in a Real Madrid kit or a Manchester United kit and not a Juventus kit. Um, you know, so that, I guess. Uh, that makes sense. Yeah, I think he has the right idea. Um, he does have one bonus question. He does says he asks with Panini losing licensing for other sports and with so many players transferring to the Saudi league, do you expect we'll start seeing product for those teams? Um, well, I can say that the, the middle East is not a big card market. Um, so, and that's something people have been anticipating for a while. Uh, you know, are, are we going to see more and more collecting going on? Uh, in the Gulf states, in Saudi Arabia, and Dubai, and Qatar, these places, um, and I guess part of the reason people assume that is that they are places that are filled with status symbols. You know, people gold Bugattis and Rolexes and all that stuff. Yeah, um, exactly. And yet we haven't seen the 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 trading cards reflected in that. You know, um, I don't know. I think from what a commercial the first time we see a Saudi prince holding up like a PSA ten Messi or something like that. Well, I mean, that's kind of, I guess, if, I, if I'm my probably simplistic understanding of the way uh, the top ends of those societies work. But I guess once you see one Saudi prince holding one, all the other Saudi princes want one and want a better one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's what happens. So okay. I think you see prices rise. Um, in terms of the Saudi league getting cards, uh, I think you would have a hard time convincing the Saudi league from a commercial point of view because they don't need the money. And the clubs don't Fair. need the money. Fair. Okay. Um, so, yeah. 
Okay, so maybe it's just a matter of like getting the the idea of cards being a collectible or, or a luxury good uh, would be something that would get them excited yes. to bring more cards to that space. Therefore, bringing cards to the that part of the world that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, all right, I think there's one other one before. I think there's only one F one question, um, but I do want to still dive into that. Uh, the question, uh, Jason Tennant wanted to know, what is the reputation slash resale value for the different grading companies in the European market? Uh, yeah, so this is something that I guess we're always dealing with because for, for a long time, um, and still to a certain extent right now, Europeans and grading don't really get on completely, you know, not really comfortable. I, we've had people... Uh, at a show recently in Frankfurt, um, straight up say to you, I don't care about grading. I don't grade my cards, you know. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. We had a, a friend of mine was at the show and he had, I won't name the player just because it's it's a well-known collector. Um, but okay. he had a very, very nice card of a player and a legendary player. And there was a guy with a table at the show who was called, like his like sign on his table was, this player collector. So the name of the player collector. I got And you. I, I happened to see, and I said, I said, Max, there's a guy up there that collects that player that you have that really nice card of in a PSA 10. Didn't you say it's like pop one or pop two or something? And he said, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he went up to the guy and the guy said, um, oh, I already have that one. And Max said, you can't have it. It's pop one. And he goes, Oh no, I, I have it uh, raw. And he goes, we, we don't have it then. It's pop one. Like it's, yeah. And it was just basically the guy was like, no, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> he doesn't care. Yeah, that, <laughs> no. that means nothing to him. Population counts mean nothing to this man. Yeah, uh, and that's I think, like, interesting. It's, uh, you can, it's a reasonable, I can understand how it happens because it was difficult to grade for a long time. Like now we have lots of grading services and, uh, you know, bulk submissions and forwarders and all that stuff. I mean, even when we host trade nights in Dublin, we take PSA cards and send them off. Um, so like, it's much easier now. But I guess what happened in markets like Germany, where for so many years it was so difficult to grade, and whether it was expensive or shipping or whatever, that mm -hmm. people just kind of like psychologically decided, well, it's not that we can't do it, it's that we don't want to do it. And now it's hard to get those people back on side. Um, Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I, I would say, in general, if we're advising people uh, about grading, we, we would generally tell them if it's vintage, SGC is good. Um, if it's an ultra bottom card and you think it's going to get a high grade, go PSA. And the reason we do that is because we've been all around the world to card shows and it's just easier if you use the most popular grading company. Uh, okay. Gotcha. It's not that they're yeah. better. It's not that I, it's just, it's basically like sure. if you were traveling, you want to have us dollars on you. I gotcha. Yeah. Now, I mean, here's the thing. We, we pump SGC all the time because we appreciate what they do and their services. But at the end of the day, we still recognize, SGC recognizes they're not the biggest fish in the pond, but that the hope is that changes one day. But if nothing else, it, maybe they don't even become the biggest. It just becomes more of a realistic idea that other grading companies can benefit by having yeah. competition. Same same proposal with you know Fanatics being not the only card maker out there completely, even though they're going to be the biggest basketball, football, baseball it yeah. doesn't mean like there can't be other competition out there. So no, and on, um, on SGC, just to say on SGC, um, it depends as well. The conversation, I think when you, when you say who to grade with, it completely depends what you want to do with the card. 
sure, if you want to sell the card for the highest possible resale value then picking the most popular grading company is smart. If you just want to keep the card or you want a short turnaround time, if some people prefer a turnaround time, some people are super price sensitive, some people have different aesthetic values. So it basically, it, it, it's there is no hard and fast rule over here, same as there's no hard and fast rule over there. Okay, interesting. But it is still, I, I do find it very, I guess, surprising, but at the same time, maybe not so, that the, there's just not as much of a need for a card to be graded i guess i view grading as like the the authentication of it not just like what Mm. the grade is but just the fact that i know i'm not getting ripped off or at least i have a better chance of not getting ripped off knowing that someone else who's a professional put their eyes on this and said oh yeah that's a real card or hasn't been trimmed or whatever the case may be so that's my a lot of times why i view grading um i would think that maybe one day that becomes more of a thing as uh grading processing gets a little easier over there too so um let's get into f1 what uh, or well before we do is there anything else soccer related that you wanted to touch on oh um yeah i guess a couple of things so first um it looks like it's obviously super early days but it looks like we've basically identified who is going to be the flagship rookie of 2324 for soccer oh let's hear this yeah so there's a there's a kid plays for barcelona academy product at barcelona his name is lamina mal He's Spanish, and uh, he he got a couple of starts early on in the season for Barcelona um, over established guys like Ansu Fati and Ferran Torres and repaid the coach's trust, and uh, he's only 16, uh, only oh, wow. turned 16 about two months ago, and uh, he's flying down the, down the wing for Barcelona. He's having a great impact on their start to the season in Spain, but after two or three senior teams starts for his club, he got picked for the Spanish national team. So at 16 day, sixteen years and 57 days old, he became <laughs> the youngest player ever to appear for Spain and score for Spain. Oh, and yeah. he scored. Wow. Oh, okay. So he is so, the go-to for 23-24 product. Yeah, he's the one to be at the moment. Yeah. But that uh, won't come out till like what this around this time next year or middle of the yeah. Next I mean, year like he, there'll be some like probably on demand sets and stuff between between now and next hobby season. Okay. But when we talk about tops Chrome and, and all that stuff, that'll probably happen from maybe April next year, going up by current production uh, schedules. The other person to mention is Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham is a rookie that people will have known for a few years now. He was the 2020, 2021, uh, one of the great rookies in that class. We we named that on our podcast the Jude class. Of rookies, oh, okay. Um, and he moved from Borussia Dortmund in Germany to Real Madrid in Spain over the summer, and he scored in his first five or six matches consecutively for Real Madrid, including a few last-minute winning goals. Um, so he's gone from being this great young prospect to being like a full leader at one of the biggest clubs in the world. And uh, over the international break, he played a couple of times for England as well and was fantastic. So. Jude Bellingham is, is now taking that step up from a uh, highly rated prospect to, you know, complete player who is is fit to to hold a place in any team in the world. All right. So Jude is the he's not like the you have to go back and get 2020, 2021 product. But I mean, because is he still popular in current product? He's still selling really well in the 2022, 23 product. Yes, he sells okay. well in basically every Every product he comes out. I mean, this is a guy that has anything. Okay, cool. That has two million rookie cards, and yet his prices are still good. So wow, yeah, that's saying some. All right, nice. Thank you for that. I'm um, glad we went back to it. 
Let's do a real quick rundown of F1. It's, it, it, yeah, here's the thing about F1. It, I'm glad that it's still trying to make its way in, in the U.S. And I know that we've had, I've had more people reach out about F1 than I did in the last couple of years since we've started doing this podcast. But mm. still, it doesn't seem to have taken a hold quite as, as much, even as soccer has at this point. But um, maybe you can give us like a little bit of a rundown and I can uh, ask this guy's question about it too. Yeah, so... Um, kind of just I was doing my my prep before coming on here, and I, I personally have, have found F one hard going this year. Oh, really? You too? Okay. Because the biggest story in F one right now, and and most weeks, you know, as part from the hardcores, and I'm, I'm I'm a neutral. I don't support any one F one team, so I'm kind of just watching it for the drama. <laughs> and the biggest story right now is Max Verstappen. So. Uh, a couple of weeks ago in uh, Monza in Italy at the Italian GP, he won his 10th Grand Prix in a row. 10th in, in a row? Yeah. So Jeez. the previous record was nine in a row, and that was set by Sebastian Vettel in 2013. Um, and Max has smashed that. And there's there's no real convincing case as to why he should lose a race between now and the end of the season, you know? Um, which Wait, whatever happened to um to Hamilton? Yeah, Hamilton is still driving. He still has uh he's still putting in some good performances. He got a podium at the British Grand Prix. Uh, but, but the I mean, Mercedes like, what happened car to his greatness. Not... He used to be like he he was the guy and that, and I know Max stepped up, but I would I'm just so surprised that he hasn't won any of these. Yeah, well it's it's a case of uh, Mercedes have not been able to develop their car uh, as well as Red Bull have. And ah, so okay. They ha- they weren't happy with it at the start of the season. They're still not happy with it. Um, and so Lewis, I mean, people maintain that he's as good a driver as he ever has been. Um, but I think after everything that happened at the end of the season a couple of years ago um, with the rule decision and Max taking the the end of the year race and all that stuff, um, I, I don't... I mean, Hamilton says it's hard to still in it. Mercedes still fully back him. He's still... Um, one of, if not the greatest driver of all time, as far as many, many people are concerned. But Max is just so utterly dominant that there's not a lot of room in the conversation for Lewis. I mean, like Max, for instance, now is talking ahead of this weekend in Singapore, which is a street circuit, and has been saying, you know, our cars aren't as, uh, we don't have much of an advantage on a, on a street circuit. This is going to be much harder going. Um, but when this guy's winning races by such a long uh, distance back to second place, even the guy driving the other car Sergio Perez who's the same in the same car Max is um, can't keep up with him so it's like the difference between Max having a hard time and somebody else winning a race is a, a long distance right now which is difficult oh, it's for very sport. Long. Okay well yeah. then maybe this uh, this uh, Jeremy Goldman's question might uh, shed some light he says will Mick Schumacher get a seat next season or anytime in the future or is he done for well, in terms of in terms of seats, there has been some interesting goings on. So one uh, thing that came out a couple of days ago was that Alfa Romeo have said that they're going to retain uh, Zhou Guan Yu. Uh, Zhou Guan Yu is the only Chinese driver on the grid, and he's confirmed to be uh, sitting with with Alfa Romeo next year uh, alongside Valtteri Bottas. So from a card point of view, that's a very good thing because Zhou Guan Yu uh, is is Chinese and has a strong collector base, so his cards are holding well. Okay. Um, Mick Schumacher. There are only 
three seats on the grid uh, next year that, that haven't been uh, set. So Alpha Tauri still have both positions open. They haven't confirmed either of their drivers. And uh, we're also waiting to hear whether or not Williams are going to stick with the only American on the grid, which is Logan Sargent, um, who has been having an okay time. And not, not nice. setting the world on fire, but it's very hard to set the world on fire uh, in a Williams. Um, but yeah, so I'm not, I haven't heard Mick Schumacher's name mentioned in relation to either the two Alpha Terry seats or uh, maybe replacing uh, Logan Sargent at Williams. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily done for. I mean, it's a, it's a sport. We saw Danny Rick came back to Alpha Terry, injured his hand, and uh, Liam Lawson uh, has been filling in for him. So there's always positions opening up. Mick is still in and around. The program he's with Mercedes, I believe, uh, test driving for them, practice driving for them. So, um, there's always an opportunity, but it may be a case that Mick Schumacher is never going to live up to uh, to the name, which was an impossible standard that his father set. Really, yeah. Okay, I, you know, at, at this point, all I know is if I don't invest in Verstappen, then it's like I, I feel like I'm just wasting my money. That's after listening to how you described him, I feel yeah. like, but it, it also sounds like he's probably super high right now. So it's like, how do you get in? But that's very good to know. Um, any other thoughts on F1 before we, we leave it there? Uh, no, I think that's uh, that's about it. Let me just check my notes, see if I had anything else I wanted to mention. Um, oh, I did just want to mention that uh, when we were at the National, myself and Enzo, uh, we had a couple of boxes of F1 Dynasty with us and uh, an English guy that we know asked if he could uh, buy one or buy two and he bought one and he ripped I bought two and he ripped one in front of us and it wasn't a great card then turns out later on he rips the other one and he hits the one-on-one uh jumbo patch auto from tops dynasty 2022 of lewis hamilton with the british flag union jack and he ended up selling it on golden for forty six thousand dollars, which is quite exciting <laughs> how long had you just been holding that box Probably had it for, I don't know, nine months, something like that. Just sitting on your shelf. Sitting shelves. there, no idea, you know? <laughs> that is the the blessing and the curse of sitting on wax. You never yes, know what is. you're actually holding. Oh, wow. Um, well, hey, congrats for selling it to him, though. I Thank bet he you. really likes you, so that's a really good thing. Yeah, we're on um, good terms, I guess, with him forever now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, before before you get out of here, first off, I wanted to thank you, Jason. Again, Soccer Cards United, if you guys aren't already listening to Jason and Enzo, talk about all things soccer and then some. Please do it. Catch them at a, a card show. You guys, it seems like you guys have been traveling to a ton of card shows. Do you have any coming up for any of our international listeners? Um, between now and Christmas, we're going to be in, uh, Milton Keynes for the sports card social at the end of October. We're going to be in Frankfurt on the 4th of November. We're going to be at the London card show at the end of November. And we're going to be at card madness in Dusseldorf, Germany, uh, at the beginning of December, I believe. Dusseldorf. That's awesome, man. Um, you're not, you, you know where you should go. Philippines. People love the podcast in the Philippines. I don't know what it is, but like we are every single week, like we get ranked as far as like listenership in the Philippines <laughs> in the top like 100 to 150 of like all sports podcasts. Yeah. I don't know what. Uh, yeah. There, there's a subsection of people in the Philippines 
Uh, I think Greece and like one other like international, other than like Canada, Australia, UK, you know, places that you would expect yeah. people to listen to it. But like, yeah, Greece, Philippines, and Argentina. Sometimes Hong Kong pops in there, but yeah, always Philippines for whatever reason. Well, so let's let's let's, let's do the uh, the the Manila card show. Dude, I'm in, bro. I would Let's love to go to the Philippines. Great yeah, vendor food. Yeah, I'm I'm all about it. Um, thank you again, Jason Flynn, and uh, hope you have a great rest of your evening. Thank you very much, Jesse. I'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, Jason Flynn, thank you again for joining. Uh, always a pleasure to have Jason. He knows so much about things that we have no idea about. Uh, the fact that he's going to all these card shows also is kind of inspiring because I keep thinking, like, I know we've been invited out. Um, Finax has invited us to a couple card shows coming up uh, just to hang out and be a you know spectator, see what's going on, and really sad we haven't been able to because I'm really hoping we get that uh, nice one-on-one with uh, Fanatics President Ruben over there. So that is hopefully going to happen before too long, but... Uh, I'm not sure which one we got to go to. So if you guys have any thoughts, you want to see us at one coming up, let us know. Um, it's probably going to need to be like October, November, December, something like that. Um, but yeah, we need to plan on one. Uh, speaking of car shows coming up, uh, I know a lot of our listeners are from the Northeast with old Boston Mike over here. So uh, we have done a little partnership with the Northeast Sports Card Expo. They are doing two card shows here in the next couple of weeks. Um, one is in at the end of September, one is in October. So just a quick rundown of those. If you guys want to go to them because they're like the biggest in the areas that they're going to be in. First one is in Portland, Maine. This is going to be on Saturday, September 23rd and Sunday, September 24th. This is, will be at the Portland exposition, exposition building, excuse me, with 24,000 square feet, 200 plus vendor tables. Uh, they'll have card grading. There's going to have, uh, they're, I, he gave me a whole list of all the people doing autographs. I'm not going to read all the names on there, but safe to say, if you are a fan of Boston sports, there were a ton of like Bruins on there. There's a ton of Celtics on there. Uh, I think maybe even some Red Sox players, but check out their website. That's really where you're going to be able to get a ton of this information um, to, to buy your ticket, to be able to see who all is going to be there, all that good stuff. Just go to northeastcardexpo.com. Uh, that's where you can get your ticket. So that's the first one. Portland, Maine. Again, that is Saturday and Sunday, September 23rd and 24th. Biggest show in the state. Uh, next one, Stanford, Connecticut. This one's on, again, Saturday and Sunday, uh, uh, October 7th and October 8th at the Armin Hotel in Stanford. This one's even bigger, 50,000 square feet. 300 plus vendor tables. They'll have grading. Those there'll be food trucks. It's going to be a whole affair to do whatever you want to call it, but it's going to be a great time. Um, again, hopefully that you guys, if you live up in the area, you can make it to one of those shows. Uh, we'll mention it again, I think next week too. Uh, but if you guys are interested, they'll have Matt stairs from the Red Sox. They'll have uh boxer, Mickey Ward. They'll have wrestler, Greg Valentine. They'll have a lot of people. I don't know. Again, I'm not going to read them all. But uh, if you're a fan of Northeast sports or just car shows in general, go check it out. Again, northeastcardexpo.com. Um, let's see. Real quick, before we get into the rest of the mailbag, before we get into Lorcana and a little bit of Pokemon stuff, um, 
There is a little week one NFL. I know you're like, whatever, Jesse's talking NFL. Uh, I, I do think that these things have to be mentioned just because of current pricing. Uh, Joe Burrow is a buy. That's just a fact. I mean, I, I'm sure if you want to say like, no, you're dumb, he's going to fail or whatever, maybe. But history has said he does very well almost every season he plays or every season he plays, really. Um, but he is down significantly right now, especially after this uh, last performance. So right now, PSA 10 of his 2020 rookie prism card is doing about $167. It, that is like, I mean, just a week ago, it was doing $211. I'd say if you can get this anywhere under 170 you're doing yourself a favor. You should have no problem flipping that for a little bit of a profit. Uh, if you wanted to, or just holding on to it because he, he definitely has a lot of potential. There's still many analysis, uh, uh, commentators, whatever you want to call them who are saying that he is still up there, like top three quarterbacks this year. Um, so Joe Burrow consider it. I think they are Bengals are playing the Ravens this week, but they are favored to win. So just, uh, something to think about. Uh, a couple other pl- cards and players to look at. Zach Wilson is a sell. Um, that's it. He's a sell. I The Jets may do well. They've got a lot of really good talent. But Zach Wilson, they already said like right away that there, there were rumors going around that they're reaching out to other veteran players, um, but veteran qu- quarterbacks. I don't know if he's going to be there long. I really like... Just looking at him, he does look like a, a, a child. So that doesn't help my mentality of, or my viewpoint of Zach Wilson, but it just doesn't, he doesn't give me the, the warm and fuzzy feeling as a good investment for a quarterback. Um, so anyways, the reason he's also a sell is because his prism PSA 10 uh, is up 900% over the last three months. Uh, he was at one point selling for $5 for his PSA 10. As of yesterday, selling for $50, multiple sales, like $46, $50. It just seems kind of insane to me because if he has another bad game, he will plummet. Maybe not down to $5, but he will plummet. So just something, again, to think about. Even his 2021 Prism um, Silver PSA 10, that one's up 100%. Like, it's already come down. It had sold for as much as $274, but... Before his performance this last week, he was selling for like 95. So, again, if you're holding Zach, unless you just are a huge believer, it seems like a, a sell. Um, and, and Tua, at this point, you know, Mike is a big hold on him. I, I would say invest. However, the game they've got coming up this week, I think it's a pretty much kind of a, a, a toss-up as to who's going to take it, whether it's going to be Mac Jones or the, with the Patriots or the Dolphins. Um Dolphins are favored to win, of course, but yeah, uh, I would say hold because uh, he he is looking really, really good. Uh, the other couple that I was going to mention were Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen. I I know how Josh Allen Allen looks, but he is a big favorite to win this week. He's going up against Jimmy G and the Raiders. Um, if you're doing a quick flip, Josh Allen may be the guy. That's all I'm saying. Um, and then Jalen Hurts, even though his performance was very good this last week still has not moved the needle all that much as far as pricing goes. In fact, he was over the last 
a couple of weeks or something, he's down. So he was up at his prison PSA 10 selling about $126 down to $112 right now. Again, it, he may not be like the all time greatest quarterback, but he is very, very good. And uh, I think his performance last year shows that he's probably worth more than uh, Justin Herbert. Cause he's still selling less than Justin Herbert. So just do with that information if, uh, as you will, but those were just your week two thoughts, your preview. Um, when Mike gets back on Monday, he can tell me how I was wrong and how I should never have talked about sports without him, but I needed to. It felt good, okay? I'm sorry. Um, we are going to talk just real quick about Lorcana and some Pokemon. Um, the Pokemon thing is actually a little different than what many of you might be expecting. We're not going to talk about cards for a second. We're going to talk about skateboarding. I don't know about you. I was a skateboarder for a period of time. Now, when I say that, I rode on a skateboard um, because I could never figure out how to do an ollie. Uh, so all I did was ride on it, and I felt really confident about my riding skills. Like, I could do it really well, like just roll on flat, smooth ground. I could do it probably with some of the best of them. Um, but Pokemon has gotten to the skateboard space. I think they've been there a little bit here and there, but... A company called Santa Cruz, they put out some decks that just came out yesterday, the 13th, I believe. Um, they sold out within minutes of ev almost everywhere they were released. They are doing something very reminiscent of the card world. They're doing these limited edition decks with Pokemon on the back of them. Uh, they are, when you, you buy them, they are wrapped. And then there's an inner wrapping and then an outer wrapping. So you really cannot see what board you're buying. They were going for like 110 bucks when they were released. I believe that was the in-store sale price. They are already selling for over $300 on eBay. Um, they're also limited edition golden versions of some of these that are selling upwards of $8,000. I don't mind telling you, I went out and bought a couple for like 275 bucks. Maybe I'm a sucker. I don't know. But either way, that is such a uh, a cool thing for me as someone who likes Pokemon and was into skateboarding at the time. Um, if you guys are at all interested and you can find like something for a decent price, these like that, I don't know the, the whole genre of Pokemon and skateboarders. I think you will find there will be a big crossover in a lot of those places. So uh, just something to think about for that. The other thing I was going to mention was Lorcana. Um, a lot of people keep asking, have I gotten my cards yet? No is the the short answer. I have not. I'm being told they're still coming. I messaged them again today to figure out, hey, what's going on? Do I need to start talking about you on a national worldwide podcast? And no, I'm not going to threaten anybody. But here's the thing. I want my cards because the pricing is still crazy. And Lorcana has just announced another uh, release. It's not like the, the next chapter, which that is still uh, coming out in November 17th, I think is the hobby release date. And then December 1st is when it's like, you're going to find it in retail, but there's another release. I think it's like the, the Disney 100. Um, so like a hundred years of Disney, we already saw that with the Kakawa and uh, a couple other manufacturers did some Disney 100 stuff. Well, the official Ravensburg Lorcana is doing a Disney 100 with some variation art on some of these cards. It's already being said it's going to be the most priced out, most expensive like release of Lorcana you'll probably see uh, all this year. But 
It will come out November 17th. If you can get any pre-sale, go for it. Or I'm sorry, I think it's actually, excuse me, I think it's December 1st for this one. And it's going to be in hobby and retail shops at the same time. So just something to keep your eyes out for. If you're into the Disney artwork, if you're into the gameplay, anything like that, uh, that will be coming out here very shortly. The, uh, the other, the second chapter is going to be released about that same time. Um, so again, these are very hot products right now. The TCG world for, for this is, is, I don't know. It's one of the fastest growing, best growing portions of the hobby. Uh, the next chapter is called rise of the firstborn set. Uh, or I'm sorry, <laughs> excuse me. I, I gave it a funny sound and I got it wrong. Rise of the floodborn set. There you go. Uh, again, these are going to be really cool. I like the artwork. I love the new characters. You got like Pooh. You got uh, Pooh. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> you got uh, Beauty and the Beast, a few others uh, that are very popular. Um, and I can't see the pictures in front of me, so I can't think of the name. But anyway, if you want Lorcana, keep your eyes peeled for end of November. But if you can get pre-sale, do it. Um, let's see. Oh, uh, there was other thing before we got to the last bit of mailbag was uh, uh, PWCC. Again, we were doing like a partnership with them, but it's I am inspired so much right now to go and buy cards because I didn't realize there's so many good deals to be had. Um, And that's just one of the benefits of partnering with new people. I actually start doing deeper dives into what options they have. Um, I have a number of bids right now because I also found that last week, so a couple of the cards I bid on that I wasn't telling you guys about because I didn't want you to go out there and buy it out from under me was like some Shaquille O'Neal, uh, like gold, the the gold version of his rookie, which outsells, of course, the 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 normal version. It was the uh, 92 tops basketball uh, gold. They ended up selling for still like 50 to $75 cheaper than what they should have sold for. Um, there was one was an auto and one was uh, a PSA nine, but the, the fact that they went for so cheap, I'm just letting you know, the, they're not, everything does go cheap. Some things go for a little bit of a premium, but you can definitely find some really good deals on there. Um, the other things that we're looking at were Tom Brady, uh, there is, of course, the expensive Tom Brady stuff. Like there's a 2000 Bowman football uh, PSA 10 that's only at 675 right now. And the last one sold was like $20,000. Yes, uh, I think we all agree that that's not going to stay there. However, it is a good deal. Uh, I, I say $20,000. The That's the highest one sold this year. I think the last one sold for like 8500 excuse me, but still. That one's not going to stay there, but it is at least something you can look at, keep an eye for in case you can get a good deal. Uh, there's a couple other Tom Brady's in there. There is one I'm already already bidding on, just the 2002 uh, SP Authentic Tom Brady 9.5 SGC. Uh, it's only 22 bucks right now, so hopefully that one's mine. Then you got a few other uh, like current Christian McCaffrey, since he was like the number one uh, running back this last week. I did. I am really trying to get some of his stuff, especially this is like out of 149. It's Penny 2017 Penny certified uh, out of 149. Really nice patch and auto. Um, we'll see that that one is very good pricing as well. It's only uh, 62 bucks was the the bid on it. So hoping nobody gets that before I can. And then the last couple of things were some Pokemon stuff again. SGC 
graded cards are going for tragically like it's not like devastatingly low, but it's just like tragically not what it should be. So there's some really nice cards that you can get for really good pricing again. So uh, the best thing, one of my favorite features about it is just the fact that I can do a search on their site for something specific as I just want to see football. I just want to see this grading company. I just want to see this uh, cards that were made in this year and after. These are features that you just don't get in any other marketplace. The future of this marketplace is going to be de- uh, very, very good, very bright. I, I'm hoping that our other things are going to happen with it. It would only be speculation at this point, but I can see future a big future for this uh, uh, platform. So anyway, that is your, your last buying things, what I'm looking at, what you guys can check out for yourselves. Now we get to our mailbag. There were a number of questions about Lorcana. There was a number of other stuff. I'm not going to hit all of this. Um, Ruben Mitchell was asking about the skateboard long-term hold, the Pokemon skateboard. Um, funny enough, someone who has nothing to do with the card world uh, texted me the same thing this morning asking. He also saw the skateboard, the Pokemon skateboards. That's how I knew. I was like, okay, maybe I am just going to buy a couple. That's when I made the purchase this morning. Let's see. Oh, Mike Thompson with Lorcana doing well, what IP do you want to see become a TCG? Honestly, it would only make sense for like a Marvel, like a comic book series. Like it's already action, you know, uh, it's cartoon or animated uh, uh, figures being drawn. It would make a lot of sense for that, but I know they've already tried that. And there are some dis- uh, digital uh, Marvel TCG games. I would just, I would like to see a physical version of something like that. Um, But other places, you know, to see something take off and be really popular, it's kind of hard because you have to, there have been versions of a lot of games. Like people, we don't even know about a a lot of them, most, you know, laymans who aren't in the TCG world, but there have been stuff that just didn't take off. So uh, whatever it is, I don't think it's so much about the IP, like the intellectual property. You need to have also someone who knows how to make a good game, Uh, which apparently sounds like Ravensburg has done that. Ravensburger, I guess. Anyway, uh, next question. Oh, Sean Mahoney, he wanted to know, will your uh, recommended SGC group sub, your recommended SGC group sub be offering discounted rates with the price change? So again, we use Grand Slam uh, collectibles. There's links on the Sports Cards Nonsense Card Services page. Um, you can go there and, and sign up. You can do the group subs. He is doing still $15 a card for sports cards, um, which is the same as sending them in. But he also offers some additional services as far as like review of the card before you send it in. So you have an idea if you want to get it graded, things like that, Um, and a few other things. So check out their service if you want to use them. Um, For now, though, again, it's $15 uh, for a group sub for your cards. Uh, Let's see. Next question up is... Uh, Don Getters, Lorcana Enchanted Cards, long-term hold or sell now. So uh, the reason, I know we talked about that for a second. The reason I'm even mentioning this is there are a number of non, like the rarity levels. Uh, Enchanted is like the rarest one, right? There are non-enchanted cards that are already selling um, on, on the secondary marketplaces. I wouldn't necessarily think that some of the common or even uncommon cards are going to be uh, all that valuable in the future. So if you can get them at, you know, cheap prices, go for it. But a lot of these are still selling for like 10 bucks for like a graded un uh, uncommon goofy card or something like that. It doesn't, 
it's not to say like it's not going to be worth a few bucks, but I don't imagine that some of these like that are going to be really, really uh, populous or popular. No, just a lot of them. The ones that are going, there's going to be a lot more of. I don't view them as holding a long term value. But uh, if you're into it, hey, why not? Let's see. Last couple questions because this has already gone long, and I appreciate everybody for being with me again. Solo shows are always weird because I have no one else to talk to but you guys. So, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Um, oh, I'm gonna try. <laughs> there have been so many Lorcana questions in here. It's kind of crazy. Um, one thing I am gonna do is I did get some Lorcana booster packs in, so I bought some stuff off of eBay or I'm sorry, Best Buy, uh, which finally came in. I think I'm gonna do some giveaways with that. Not. Uh, not today's episode. I'm going to do it, I think, maybe next week. We're going to do some Lorcana booster set. Not a booster box, but a booster set. Um, they, I think they retail at like 18 bucks, but they're going on eBay for like 40 bucks right now. So uh, I think we'll do some giveaways. I got five of those. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to give them all away, but I'll give away uh, at least a couple, two or three. Okay, uh, last couple questions. Ryan Johnson, if exclusive licensing deals with sports leagues were no longer a thing and any company could make cards with logos, what product or specific insert would you most like to have back? Here's the thing. That's really more of a mic question as far as like historical inserts that are cool. He likes. Um, if we're talking about inserts today, uh, <laughs> I really do like I wouldn't I don't want them to get rid of like the downtown or like the manga. I really like those. I think they're cool. I think the fact that they have already gained popularity is also uh, really cool for modern buyers for guys today. I will even if Panini stops making uh, football, basketball, sports cards, all that. Or, I mean, they'll still make soccer, of course, but if they stop making the main sports, I would love to see those inserts somehow get licensed from fanatics to be able to continue to be made. In this scenario, though, if there were no licensing, I don't know. It, it'd be hard because everyone would make cards and it wouldn't be as rare or exclusive and then it wouldn't be as tempting to buy. So that's a hard one to answer. Um, last question comes from Cody James. Jesse, are you buying any English 151? He's talking about the po uh, Pokemon 151. This is the one that... Even if you were like just a little bit of a Pokemon fan, you might actually enjoy this because this is the original 151 Pokemon that they're redoing in this set. Uh, it's the next one that comes out. He says that there have been uh, leaks of God packs in English. Um, there are some things that don't translate from the Japanese version because they already released a Japanese version of this into the English. Like the uh, there were these Master Ball hollows that just had this really cool uh, hollow effect over the top of them. They won't have that in this version. However... The fact that it's in English and it's all the original ones, I think this is still going to be a hugely popular set. Um, it probably will be the most popular set of the year, which is probably smart. They held it to close to holiday time for gifts and things like that. Um, I am more than likely going to get some from um, from the Kevin, the guy over at uh, Rounding Up TCG. He's the guy who we did the, some discounting stuff with for you guys. It's still... That's the only place I buy my my cases from. I'll buy at least a couple cases from him. And I'm going, I've been holding my other Pokemon stuff. I bought it just because everything has gone a little bit down in value. It's not dr dramatic, but the Pokemon and this newest set has not been as popular. But again, that's what I hear kind of happens with some of these new sets. It takes a little bit of time. So, but the 151, I don't think is going to be as big of an issue. I think there's going to be a lot of demand for it. So there you go. That is your show. 
lot of stuff covered, a lot of talking by your boy over here. Can't wait to like pass out after all this. Um, I do think all of our guests and even you listeners at home deserve this. That's a round of applause. Thank you so much for joining the show. Please tell your friends about it. Tell your mom and dad. Just give it a listen. Have fun with it. Uh, we love the podcast. We want to keep doing it. This is a contract year, so uh, just fake the numbers. You know, just boost us however you need to to make it happen. You know what I'm saying? JK, we love you so much, Ring. All right. This has been Sports Cards Nonsense brought to you by The Ringer, powered by Spotify. Thank you to Isaiah, who's filling in as producer today. Uh, Carlos was out with COVID. Mike is out with Baby. Jesse is just here killing it. We'll see you next week. Goodbye.